We're speaking this morning about living in the beautiful wild, which is the theme of this week and the theme that we have been exploring across the course of all of our teachings. And this morning I want to start by thinking about the idea of breath. And as soon as I say the word breath, you will immediately be conscious of yours. It's just the way it works. And so we're just going to do a really simple breath prayer. This is something I do every day, many times a day. Just going to invite you to breathe in and receive something of the kindness of Jesus, the intimacy of his presence of the sunshine of his love. And I invite you to breathe out and release one place of care or worry or burden. The ancient Hebrew people had a word for God. It was so holy that they didn't even say it, but it said, Yahweh. And many theologians believe that this word for God, Yahweh, is itself a breath. Breathe in, Yah. Breathe out, Way. I'm just going to invite you to practice this with me. Breathe in, Yah. Breathe out, Way. You're not here for a science lesson, but you take 17 thousand breaths each day. Isn't that fun? You also exhale about a half liter of water each day. You're welcome. I said it wouldn't be a science lesson, but I can never withhold. And just imagine 17,000 times a day, the word of God, the name of God on the lips of our breath, Yahweh, Yahweh. There's many things I could say about breathing. And in culture today, we use the phrase breath in many ways. If we're in love, we might say that the lover takes our very breath away. I do this shout out almost every time I preach. But if you have met your love at Creation Fest at any point in time, would you just put a little hand up? Anyone who's here who met their love at Creation Fest? Oh, in our audience today, no one, but two people backstage for sure. In the best humble brag that I have, I remember doing breathing exercises to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. There's like no way to say that and have that sound humble, is there? That one time when I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. And I, I prepared breathing exercises. And the summit day when I woke up feeling almost as rough as I woke up feeling this morning, I used every breathing exercise I had learned in order to catch my breath for the task that was ahead. And in the moment in which we live, long COVID has taken away the breath of many, quite literally, there are some individuals in this country who may never have their breath returned. And this morning I want to use this imagery of breath, wherever it is that it finds you today, to think about what it means for us to catch our breath again in the presence of the living God. You see, in the words of scripture, this image of breath, it's woven through like a golden thread. 
In Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, when God creates man, we read these words. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. Just kidding. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, ladies and gentlemen. I was so confident there. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And that human became a living creature. I want you to hold for a moment, whether you've heard this passage many times or you're hearing it for the first time, the tenderness and the intimacy of that moment. Man and woman formed from dust. And then God leaning down. And I think it is not too far to say like a lover Bending down to kiss, breathing life into the lungs of those whom he had formed. Over the course of this last year, we've had many prophetic words spoken over what would happen here at Creation Fest. And one of them was this. Many will find breath returned to their spiritual lungs again. One of the earliest theologians, Cyril of Alexandria, writes in this way about this passage in Genesis. He says that it is the first image we see in scripture of humanity being filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And James Boyce says the implication which is readily seen by any Hebrew reader is that to live by the power of the spirit of God's breath is to catch our breath in his presence, and then to carry his love to the world. Wasn't Dominic's message this morning beautiful? I was reminded in such extraordinary ways of what it means to catch our breath in the presence of God, and then be the people who don't live out of rules and religions, but out of the sheer joy and delight and intimacy of the presence of God who walk in that kind of relationship. And here's the thing that most of you who have experienced the presence of the Spirit know. That's a great idea. And it's awfully difficult to live that way. The reason our theme this year is called The Beautiful Wild is because every time I encounter the presence of the Holy Spirit, it is beautiful. And it is wild. I hope you've come to Creation Fest and what you've seen is the sunshine and the friendship and the prayer ministry. I hope you've enjoyed some food vendors and dancing children and an excellent pizza in our cafes. I hope you've seen some of our main stage artists cuddling their babies and sitting in the sunshine. I hope all you've seen is the beauty but it's no secret that behind the scenes every once in a while, it's a little bit wild. <laughs> I mean, we are all friends with each other and we love each other a lot. And I didn't ask his permission to tell this story, so I'll apologize later if I must. I came on site last night, yesterday morning, to my cafe manager who had accidentally opened a burning vat of water and poured it all over his arms so that they were blistering. His wife, who's helping run the cafes, was in tears because she thought her husband, who she still would love, would not have one of his limbs anymore. Tried to make a joke at the wrong time there. 
And in that moment, two things happened. My team surrounded with love, the weary and genuinely wounded leader. And also we recognized how much we needed to pray for the power and the protection and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And those of you who are followers of Jesus, you know this. We speak about this beautiful wild moment where we're formed out of dust and God breathes life into us. We say firsthand, we are weak and weary and we need God. And yet when the moment comes when we actually need God, we often forget that we are weak and weary and every good thing only ever comes through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And threaded throughout all of scripture is this story. The people of God fall and fail. I debated putting this scripture in and I'm just going to go for it. One of the messiest passages of scripture about the presence of the Holy Spirit is found in 1 Chronicles. And it's the story of Saul, the prophet, who comes and is filled with the Holy Spirit. And some of you who know this passage of scripture, you're wondering, does she actually want to go here with it? Because in this passage of scripture, we read that Saul is so filled with the spirit that he runs around prophesying naked. And the prophets then say, has Saul also become one of the prophets? He's running around and he is prophesying naked. The sign of the prophetic work of God was naked prophets. Now, does that make anyone else feel just a little bit uncomfortable? Imagine if you walked on site this morning and someone was doing some naked prophecy. You would say Creation Fest has lost their minds. <laughs> Please, can we get Cornwall Council back? The event must close. And almost every passage of scripture that we read in the Old Testament of the filling and the presence of the Holy Spirit, it's really messy. In Ezra chapter 1, we read that the people are moved on by the Spirit of God, and so they give every piece of gold and silver that they own to build the temple. Now, I don't know about you. I love to live generously, and I like to be able to buy dinner. There's this moment where the generous call of the Spirit of God, it clashes against our places of comfort. There's also this moment in 1 Chronicles chapter 24 where the word of God is delivered to a prophet and immediately after the spirit of God falls, falls on the prophet of God, he delivers the word God gives him. And then he is stoned to death. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to, I hope, give you a word of real encouragement this morning. Pete Davies is here wondering if that's true. But what I want to do as I set this up is simply to say the call of the Spirit of God is at the same time beautiful. There is nothing I have tasted more beautiful than the presence of God. And it is wild. It's outside of the best way that I could have strategized or planned or prayed or dreamed. I would have chosen so much safer ways to build the kingdom of God. And we ultimately find this presence of the Spirit exemplified in the life and the person of Jesus Christ, 
who came to earth as God incarnate and showed us everything that God has to say to his people. I've been living in the Gospels lately. I hope, men and women of God, we live in the Gospels. I've been lingering in John because I think Jesus is really tender in the Gospel of John. But I've been lingering in the Gospels and the life of Christ. And the more I look again at Jesus Christ, the one I've known since before I can remember and the one I hope to follow until the day that I become dust again. The more I look at Jesus, the more I see the way he is filled by the power of the Spirit is beautiful. And it is very wild. There's a story in John chapter 2 that many of you will know where Jesus is at a wedding and they run out of wine, which is almost as big a crisis in his hometown as it would be here in Cornwall. Imagine a wedding where you ran out of wine. Such a thing could never be countenanced. And the Son of God, Jesus Christ, tells the servants, gather up the buckets and urns that are used for water and take them and fill them with water. Which would be as ridiculous as if I said to Matt and Carrie Banton, take those biffa bins and fill them up with water and when you return, they'll be filled with the best wine for you to serve at the wedding. Because these urns would have been the ceremonial cleansing pots. It's worse than the biffa bins. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know if I always have the kind of Holy Spirit faith that when Jesus tells me to go take a biffa bin and fill it up with water and expect a miracle, that I would be here for it. I might make a backup plan that would involve Tesco. And Jesus Christ, the Son of God incarnate, in his presence, the ordinary, humble, completely average, becomes miraculous. And over the course of the life of Jesus' ministry, we see over and over again that he operates in the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. We read that he is led by the Spirit, that he prays in the Spirit, that he operates in the Spirit. And one of my favorite passages says that Jesus receives the presence of the Holy Spirit at his baptism, at which the Father looks at the Son, and before the Son has done anything, says, this is my beloved one. He has all of my joy and pleasure. And just for some of you, I've got this little word, and they're going to put it up on the screens because I wrote it as I was praying for this message um, it's the, the one about costly obedience, Emerald. It was the little word that's not scripture. I've gone off my notes and I'm apologizing to the tech team by doing that. It's just a, a little word about the presence and the power of the Spirit being with you. And it being worth everything that it has cost up until this point. This is a word for someone who is here this morning. And if it doesn't pop up now, we'll put it up in response, but it went something like this. The Spirit sees everything you have given. Nothing is 
wasted in the kingdom of God. For what nobody else knows, Jesus knows these things and his kindness is towards you. At the end of Jesus' life, he chose the cross. And I pray that we who know Jesus are continually captivated, charmed, and entranced by the cross of Jesus Christ. Pray that we know what it is for the God of love and eternity to choose the sacrificial act that reconciled our souls to God. And as Christians, we believe that not only did Jesus die on the cross for our sins, but as we sing often, the death could not hold him. The veil tore before him. He silenced the doubts of sin and shame. We believe that Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. And Pete Gregg alluded to this on Friday. If you didn't hear the message, watch it on YouTube. It's killer. When Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't actually act or operate the way we might have liked. He was like present with his disciples and then he disappeared for a little while. He gave him a barbecue on the beach and then they couldn't find him. He appeared to 11, but one of them got left out. I hope that you often find the humor of Jesus. But in one of the parting stories, which brings us full circle with this imagery of breath and spirit, Jesus appears in the upper room to his disciples, and we find this in John chapter 20, beginning in verse 19. And we read these words in John chapter 20, verse 19. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. On the evening of that day, on the first day of the week, the doors were locked because the disciples feared the Jews, and Jesus came. And he stood among them and he said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his sides. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. Even so, I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, no Anglicans. Okay, that's amazing. Um, I get to say this is the word of the Lord, and then you get to say thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord. Some of the Anglicans in the room are thrown because we usually do this at the start, and I'm doing this at the end of my message. We have this image in the closing words of Jesus Christ where he says to his followers, peace be with you. I think the best messages are the simplest ones. My prayer for you, my prayer for myself, is that we would receive the peace of the presence of the Spirit of God. That we would be sons and daughters who simply know we are 
deeply, tenderly, intimately known and loved. There's this image in the passage where Jesus, it says, breathes on his disciples. Those of you who know scripture know this fun little treat. Threaded throughout the whole of the Bible are little Easter eggs, little winks, little nods at other portions of scripture that remind us this is who God is and this is what he does. So call back to mind this Genesis story at the beginning of scripture where God quite literally breathes into man. And then link that for a moment with John chapter 20, where the risen, crucified Christ stands among his disciples and says these words to them, if I could choose four, peace be with you. I love the succinctness of Jesus. We preach these 30-minute messages and he says four words. Peace be with you. And after he breathes on his disciples and they receive the Holy Spirit, we find this little vignette that many of you will know. It's a story of a man named Thomas who asks Jesus, if all that he has heard is true about him. And those of you who know the story know that there's this moment in the passage where Jesus says to Thomas, take your hands, put them in my wounds, touch my side. And I was reading this passage recently with a young woman who had never read it before. I love reading scripture with friends who've never read it before. And she just said to me, how much Jesus must have loved Thomas that he let him touch his places of wound. How much Jesus loved him. And this is another word for some and perhaps many. If you've come today with doubts, and weariness and discouragement. Oh, first of all, you're so welcome. And secondly, here's what Jesus says. Here are the wounds of my great love for you. Bring your places of woundedness into my presence and find healing and hope and life. It's been a, a long two years since we've been able to gather in this way. And I'm just going to ask you to take a little moment. And one of the things I find really helpful to do is just actively relax my shoulders. Just to take a, a deep breath in. I just would love it if you would ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what would you say to me today?
I'm not going to try to give 1,500 words because what the Spirit has to say is to you and for you. But I'm just going to leave a full 30 seconds for you to listen for the word of the Spirit to your heart today. And the second thing I want to do is just to invite us into a place of being filled with the power of the Spirit of God. And there's two things I want to say about this. This is the already promise. Everyone who has made the decision to follow Jesus Christ, who belongs to Christ, it says that we have been given the promise of the expected Spirit of God. And even for those who might not have made that decision today, Acts 17, Paul preaches, the God in whose hands your very breath is 17,000 times a day you were saying his name, you just didn't even know it. The presence and the power of the Holy Spirit is available for all who ask. But the second thing I want to say is this. I found in my life and ministry there's something that happens when I respond and I believe the word of God preached always calls us to respond. And if there are those here today who would just like to be filled again with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite the band to come out now. And just as your tangible sign of response, I'm just going to ask you to stand. And if you know today that you just need a fresh sense of the breath of God, of the filling of the Spirit, of the intimate presence of the one who loves you. Do you want that fresh filling of the Holy Spirit today? Just as a simple sign of response, I would invite you to stand if you're able. And I'm going to lead one other response, but I'm going to ask my good friend Claire Worth to come pray this out over those who are standing for a fresh sense of baptism and anointing and the power of the Spirit. Amen. Let's just, uh, let's just wait a moment. Maybe just in your own heart, you just want to uh, stand and just have a moment with the Holy Spirit. say, Lord, I am here. I open myself to you afresh right now. Father, we just pray that you would breathe on us. As Sarah has spoken, that you were, as you breathed on the disciples, Holy Spirit, you would come again. Breathe on us, Jesus. 